Let's all just start learning and growing together. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't come in thinking you know it all. Swallow your pride, swallow your ego. These things will give you a cap on your learning capabilities. Hello, I'm Jordana Borenstein and welcome to That's So Meta, a podcast where we will explore all things related to Web3, NFTs, cryptocurrency and the metaverse. Well, metaverses, actually. The goal is to be a bridge between the world we currently live in and this dynamic, fast-paced and fabulous world that's emerging and being created every single day. Through fun interviews with awesome guests and experts, we'll take complex ideas and simplify them in a super light-hearted way. We'll learn together, laugh together, and get far more savvy about everything related to Web3 so that we all feel confident taking a giant step into this wild new world as one. Please note, the discussion and information in this podcast is not financial advice. I repeat, it is not financial advice. It is for entertainment and education purposes only. Joining me this week is visionary Web3 developer and early NFT adopter, James Rowdy. Rowdy is both the co-founder and head of partnerships and vibes at NFT Melb, which has evolved into NFT APAC, a group that runs vibrant in-person events for members of the Web3 community across Australia and New Zealand. Rowdy is also the co-host of This Week in Web3, a LinkedIn series that captures and unpacks the latest developments in this new and emerging world. Rowdy, lovely to have you on. Thank you, GM. Now, I call you Unicorn. Everyone else calls you rowdy. So if I say unicorn, that's what I'm referring to. I'd love to kick off with a fun but super basic question. How would you explain Web3 to a five-year-old? And can you use Star Wars as an analogy? That's a really good question. So you would say to a five-year-old that Web2 is Tatooine, which is the planet that the Jedis live on, the Anakin planet could start with. <laughs> We're about to go to a better planet with better features. Oof and better technology and the way of life is going to be so much better than Tatooine. That is epic. So can we just kick off with a big round of applause? <laughs> Studio applause. So you captured my attention because you bring a lot of heart, sincerity, warmth and passion into the Web3 world. Is that a you thing or is that a Web3 thing? In my vision, I think it's a Web3 thing. It's definitely part of who I am as a person. I'm really trying to push that through into Web3. When I came on board, I was surrounded by a whole bunch of very positive and sort of amazing and uplifting people that just wanted to collaborate and contribute to one another in a positive way. After a lot of work that I'd done on myself, you know, I want to carry that ethos through to Web3. So the way I look at Web3 has been a really overall positive experience. And I'm just really pushing that branding and that messaging through making sure that everyone's working with one another, collaborating with one another in a positive and uplifting way and supporting one another. So I think that's really, really important, not just in Web3, but I think that's a huge secret in life. You know, love, kindness, gratitude, all these core pillars that just make us all a human being, but also just make life just overall better. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely love that. And on that note, at CryptoCon in your panel discussion, I love how you said the key to success in Web3 is lifting others up and you need to leave your tall poppy syndrome and your ego at the door because that was like so Web2. Can you explain that a little bit more? I think like in Web2, it's very ego-driven. Look at my big company. Everyone's out for themselves. Everyone's doing really shady behavior, undercutting everyone, stealing people's work. There is collaboration in a sense. But then you'd ask people like, oh, man, what about such and such? They're doing really, really well. Yeah, but they don't do this. Like there's always that but. I thought it's just really negative and people have always trying to tear people down. It doesn't have to be a but. If someone wins, 
everyone could win. That's the way I look at it. Web3, I'm trying to change that ethos and really kill that Paul Poppy syndrome because I think that it's just not needed in this space. If I win, everyone around me wins. I'm surrounded by beautiful people, beautiful friends, beautiful business partners, and we all just win together. If there's an opportunity for me, ring them up. They ring me up. Hey, Rowdy, we got this. And vice versa. You know, it's a collaborative space. So everyone who's in my circle, we all share and work together. And I think that's the ultimate key to success because when I hear my friends doing so well, it just really makes me like genuinely happy to the core. I'm just like, oh man, that's so good because I know that one, I'm surrounded by the right people because you're a product of your own environment if you're winning then everyone around you is winning and vice versa. So I just think there's no need for tall poppy syndrome. Everyone can win. The world's abundant. We're all going to live a great life. So it's like everyone will make their own and everyone's inventing and doing cool things in the space. But most of all, we're all learning and growing together. And I think that's really important. Love that. Now, you're a founding member of NFT Melb, which is the IRL community for Web3 lovers. What are the characteristics that define this community? So we've got three verticals. So it's connect, create, and collaborate. So connect... It's all good for us to network, but with us, we really look at it as uh, connecting with someone, finding out who they are as a person, what they're doing in the space, who they are as an individual, and, and really dive down and have that connecting relationship. Once we do that, then we can collaborate with one another and create something amazing. We've had so many people come to NFT Malb events. They come along, they were green or they know a little bit, and then a couple of months later, now they're co-founders and they're starting a business together. So that's really special. The other big thing is we really emphasize community as well. So we are for the community, by the community. We really drive value. It's always value add. We always try and give value to our community. And it's really, really special because we get people that come to our events and they've been in tears in front of myself and Daniel going, oh, I'm so happy, you know, like I finally found my community. And I think that's really, really important. You describe yourself as an OG. When did you jump into this wild west world of Web3? Yeah, so I got into crypto in 2017. I guess that was the entry point. I mean, it wasn't quite OG days there. However, I was just sort of buying Bitcoin back then, Ethereum. Once I found Ethereum, I sort of was like really curious about that. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And then was buying a bunch of like random little old coins throughout. Then 2020 happened. Obviously, COVID went through a whole bunch of change there. And then when I went over to move to Bali during the pandemic, I met these guys and then they told me about NFTs. Now, that was September 20th. 2020. And if anyone knows the history of September 20, 2020, uh, September 20th in 2017 was the first implementation of the NFT smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain. It was like a special day for me, but I heard about it at this party, woke up and then went down the rabbit hole of NFTs. And I guess that really sort of sparked that passion and that really drive to sort of go, oh, this is going to change the world. This is what I want to do for the next 30 years and really start diving in on that. So the reason why I call myself an OG in that sense is because when I did join OpenSea, I was one of the first 10,000 wallets in the world purchasing NFTs. Yeah. And one had multiple wallets. So no one really knows what that true figure of people is. Maybe it was 5,000, maybe it was 8,000, but it was somewhere under 10,000 wallets. And we were all interacting with one another on early clubhouse days. And this was days when it was invite only. And, you know, there was people on there who were just like huge in the space who are now even bigger in the space now, and I was just networking, talking to these people. That's why I call myself like a bit of an OG in that sense from the NFT perspective. (laughs) This might be a bit of a private question or a personal question, but how many NFTs do you own? That is a really good question. I probably could have put a figure on that. I own quite a lot of NBA Top Shot. I think there's probably about 50 or 70 on there. 
ERC, I think 30 on there. Got some Solana ones. There's probably about four or five on there. Yeah, so I don't know, maybe 100, maybe less. Okay. And of those, how many are you emotionally attached to? One. <laughs> and that's myself. So I mentioned myself as an NFT and I thought, well, if I want to immortalize myself on the blockchain. So I mentioned a one-on-one James Rowdy and everyone's like, are you going to sell it? And I was like, I'm not really going to sell it. I thought it was quite cute. I was like, maybe one day when I meet my soulmate, I'll send them that NFT. It'll be quite cool. But I think that's the only thing that I'm really emotionally attached to. The rest of them, I don't have any emotional attachment to them. Wow. So are they just trades? Are they just flips? Are they just slices of history? Are they art? Are they just there so that you can exchange them? Like, what is the meaning? I think all of the above, right? I mean, there's some that I just like being a part of the community. Some are learning structures for me. So joining DAOs with NFTs, making money was always a bonus, but it was more learning. So, you know, going and learning about a DAO, how that works and different projects. And I guess just sort of finding out the fundamentals and how everything works. So for me, I just got look at them as learning curves. There are a couple that I've got my like eye on that I probably would have a bit of emotional attachment. I guess a lot of people do. I have had emotional attachment in the past. However, now I look at it purely as tools. There's some really great communities out there and some people, they build a brand around their NFT. So it means a lot to them and they'll have this emotional attachment. And I guess when you build that brand around that NFT and you change it, everyone's like, oh, we knew James Rowdy as that mutant. Yeah. And, you know, now he got rid of that and now he's got something else. And I guess it's just sort of like a stages of evolution. But, yeah, for me, I have no emotional attachment to them. They're just all learning curves for me. And, look, if you make money off them, it's a bonus. You can make a lot of money off NFTs. I've made a really good amount of money off NFTs, but I've also lost a lot of money off NFTs too. So you are a proud board eight yacht club owner? Mutant Ape Yacht Club. Oh, my God. Okay, got it. All right. Let's start that again. You are a proud? Mutant Ape Yacht Club. Hold on. There we go. So on the note of whether it's bored or mutant, many people can't understand why anyone would spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on an NFT. So what does it feel like to be part of an elite crew? It's cool. It's cool to be a part of it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Huge potential. You can one use it as a flex. The other thing is a lot of people look up to you if you have a board ape or a mutant ape, and you can use that as leverage for brand growth, brand engagement. There's a whole bunch of great things for that. Inside the club, you can get access to some really high-level people. I feel like there's a lot of celebrities and high-level entrepreneurs and business owners and whatever in there. So it's kind of like an elite club, some would say. I wouldn't say that, but it's cool. It's got a lot of benefits. And one of the benefits being IP, everyone can use their board ape or mutant ape IP. You know, some people have started alcohol brands, guys, Full Send, Happy Dad. They've gone and put it on their seltzers. They're also doing jerky now. There's guys in Queensland who have created comic books out of them. And then Board Calvin is one of them. And then Slabber Dan, he started a ape surf life-saving club. So he's using his IP to create a derivative project of his board apes with life-saving like traits on them. And then they're going to use those funds to help sponsor skaters and, and surfers who are up and coming. So there's a lot of benefits that do come to it, but there's a lot of other cool communities too that also have different benefits and features. But yeah, to answer your question, it is cool. It is very cool. <laughs> nice. So you've been into NFTs since day dot. What are the biggest changes you've seen in the industry? When I came in, it was wild. When I was the early days on OpenSea, 
people were just literally uploading JPEGs. So there was a lot of people uploading photos of Squirtles, gifts of Squirtles, and put them on these cards, and, and they weren't even official, and people were paying 30 Ethereum for them at the Whoa. time. But Ethereum was a couple of hundred bucks back then, but still. Two, three, six grand. It was a lot of money. So seeing that evolution from people just uploading anything and everything to then established projects come out, things like NBA Top Shot, they got in early. And then you had people like the MetaKey uh, who came in, bought at Yacht Club. Obviously, you started to see the establishment of bigger, larger scale projects and communities, but also using those as sort of like seed rounds to raise funds to then build more stuff for their community which I thought was really, really cool. Then we've gone through different meta trends from that to this was like peak, peak of the bull run. And then now there's no real liquidity in the market anymore. So people are referring to other things like free mints. Now that we're going through a meta where everyone's arguing over the point of royalties. So I've seen a lot of the evolution over the two years in NFTs. And you see everything from trends at the start to trend now. And all the new people who come in, the conversation is completely different. This place changes very, very fast and it's so fast paced. So it's hard to keep your finger on the trigger. But I think the big sort of thing at the moment now is that royalty, everyone's sort of arguing the point over are royalties viable. Some people say they are, some people say they are. And I guess there's good arguments for each side of the thing, but that's sort of like where we're at at the moment with it all. You said before Web3 is the future. There's a whole lot of people that just don't even believe it's worth time, effort and energy. What is the vision that you have that makes you so convicted and passionate? So in early days in Ethereum, you had the core dev team and then you had people who were contributing to the network, so contributors. So the way I look at it, in a completely beautiful decentralised world, we are all contributors no matter what we do in the space and it's a full peer-to-peer network. That's what decentralisation is. We work for with one another as opposed for working with a centralized source like a, a big tech or a bank or something like that. We own everything that we do on the internet, on the blockchain. We own our data as opposed to, you know, $360 billion a year goes to four big tech companies and ad revenue. And that's Google, Amazon, Meta, Facebook, and Instagram, and Apple, right? So these guys sort of control all that. They control what we do. They know us better than we know ourselves when it comes to all that to the data. So I think in the perfect world, it's a complete peer-to-peer network. It's completely decentralized. There's huge benefits there. And I think when people actually realize what you could do with a completely new decentralized world, it's mind-blowing, right? So it's like artists are finally getting rewarded for what they're doing. Creators are getting rewarded for what they're doing. You have the opportunity to work from anywhere in the world from a laptop and you can do quests, whether it be gaming, you could go and stake some of your cryptocurrency on an exchange and get rewarded in a passive income. Please note, that was not financial advice. You could go into DAOs and do voting structures with a pool of funds to go and invest in another cool project. The list goes on, whether it's DeFi, NFTs, gaming, metaverse, the world is your oyster. So I think to answer that question, say to someone, would you like to live anywhere in the world and do whatever you want and have that freedom and then just work whenever you want, however you want, on the laptop, on the blockchain? Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Cool. Well, that's decentralization. <laughs> the list goes on. You can control your own transactions. You can be contribute in one way, shape, or form to the network. I think that's really, really special. That's really, really important. Everyone was doubting the internet and Web1 when it was invented. Web2 is obviously the implementation of social media, read and write, and Web3 is the evolution of read, write, and own. Everything that we do on the blockchain, we own, which is really, really cool. 
If you could go back to Rowdy in 2017 when you entered the industry, what's one piece of advice you'd give him? Go all in on the blockchain. Go all in. Have you not gone all in? You seem like an all in kind of guy. I'm all in now. Back then, Rowdy was in full force being rowdy and partying and, and was a completely different person back then. Yeah. And he was living it up and, and loving life. But he was always curious and he was always had that entrepreneurial spirit. However, he just really didn't know his full potential and he wasn't really acting on it. So if I was to speak to him back then, I would say, hey, brother, like, you bought Bitcoin. I need you to go all in on Ethereum. I need you to mm. really focus on Bitcoin and Ethereum and learn more about these contracts. The NFTs were invented back then. I didn't even know what it was until 2020. So if I knew what it was back then, how it operated, and you know, I started buying things like CryptoPunks and things like CryptoKitties and, and all these like really early OG NFT projects, I mean, it would be completely different to what it is now. So yeah, that's what I would say to him. Intuitively, what makes you invest in an NFT project? So what lights you up and what elements do you go, oh, yes, I want to be part of that? We've got a very strict criteria being in the space for so long, seeing so many rug pulls, seeing so many scams. I'm very, very diligent about what I invest in. I really only focus on sort of like those big sort of like blue chip communities, Yacht Club, Board Ape Yacht Club, the whole Yuga Labs. The other one is that I'm really... It's on my radar to buy, but I'm just being patient as doodles. I really bullish on doodles, what they're doing. So these are like big, well-established projects. But I guess for me, one is innovation. We've seen all these PFP projects become really popular and do really, really well at the start of 2020, 2021. And I guess sort of started this year as well. However, I really think that now for me to really invest in NFTs, I'm really looking for world-class utility. So whether it be in the form of like a membership whether it be in the form of like ticketing, token gating, whatever it may be, there's a whole range of different things, but also the community. I want to go and have access to certain people within these communities. I want to be able to collaborate with certain people because there's real opportunity there. It's always not just about buying and flipping. For me, I really look at the project and go, what's the community like? Is it a positive community? Are they all contributing in one way, shape or form? Are they all supporting one another? I've got quite a list of like different things that I'll go through and critique everything because I'm just like, nah, it's a bear market. So 99% of these projects are going to go to zero. That's what Um, everyone says. Is that because they're rug pulls? What accounts for that statistic? I think it's just because there's a range of different factors that impact that. And the number one thing would be, I see everyone going, yeah, and you know, now our project's not going to fail, it's not going to fail. But then if you're a realist and you look at them and you go, okay, but do you see yourself doing this for the next five, 10 years with this project? Feasibly from a business perspective, unless they get VC funding or do really, really well on the mint, they just won't have the liquidity and the funds there. And if you look at these roadmaps, you go, okay, cool. That's going to take you to next year. Then what happens? And I guess it's so new because it's evolving every year, year on year. But you just got to be a realist and just go, oh, like, look, I see a lot of people who have launched really cool projects and kudos to them. But I think you're just going to be real and just go, okay, cool. That won't be their first and last project. A lot of these people won't be their first and last project. I feel like, you know, a lot of people come in here, they'll learn, they'll launch a project, have a huge learning about all of this, but then go, okay, cool. How do we now go and apply our learning to real life? So me, like I said before, this whole PFP phase, that's phasing out in my opinion. It will always be there in the future and people will still buy it, but it won't be as big. Everyone now like all the big companies, big brands, big corporate, whatever, they go, oh, cool, we've got this technology, but 
There's more brick and mortar businesses in the world than there are NFT projects. And those businesses, majority of them are profitable. And that's what funds the and fuels the economy, right? So how do we implement this technology into real life use? That's where the biggest opportunity is. Okay. So yeah, I, I think there's a range of different things. Me, I'm probably more focused on that innovation, looking for real life utility and being a part of something, contributing in one way, shape or form. But there's a long list, but those are the sort of core things that I look for. So when it comes to the projects that don't sort of last, where do you think they get caught up? Where is the hype? Is it in the, I just want to create a drop of 5,000 and then they don't think beyond that? Like what's the most exciting part that people stop at, I guess? A lot of people rush into this space. They're doing it, I can do it. And then they go, yeah, cool, we're doing 10,000. And one, they've got 100 people or 200 people in their Discord. Feasibly, that doesn't make sense. You've got to provide a whole bunch of different things that go into minting a really good project. One's like scarcity. You've got to have scarcity. We're emotional creatures as humans, so you want to obviously capitalize on those. Things like hope, hype, and scarcity that drive things like FOMO and all these other things. That's the sort of the big thing is people just rush into the space going, yeah, 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 I know Web3. They've done their two-week crash course. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. And the truth of the matter is they don't. I don't know everything about Web3. I'm still learning and growing, and everyone in this space is. No one's an expert. No one's a guru. If they say they are, they're lying. We're all learning and growing together. But at the same time, it's having that humility to take a step back and realize, hey, I don't know everything. I need to educate myself more on what's happening before I go and launch into these projects and do all these sort of things. I get it. We all get excited. This is a new thing. Got to act quick. Got to capitalize quick. But there's really no good projects coming out like that at the moment at all. So big call. Yeah. Boom, boom. (laughs) It's true, right? We've seen a lot of big projects launch sub projects uh, in the space. They've had heaps of people on their whitelist and this huge hype in the place, and then they just don't do well. There's been one that I know that's probably done the best, and that's probably Utes by Frank D. Gods. All the other ones have done terribly, in my opinion. So there's a lot that goes into it. I think that the big thing, it just comes back to like everything in the space is just the lack of education. We're all just rushing and rushing and rushing. But we should all just be going, hmm, okay, cool. Maybe I need to learn about this. I need to learn yeah. how that works. I need to have everyone's coming in with their Web2 marketing strategies. Thinking they, they've done really well in Web2. They don't apply in Web3. There's a big gap there too. You know, Everyone's thinking, oh, yep, cool. I'm really good at Web2 marketing. Got a Web2 marketing agency. That's cool. And they come in. We know what we're doing. And they just don't. Because they're letting their ego and their pride and their emotions speak for them as opposed to being a student, having that humility and going, okay, cool, I need to understand this, do the same ethos apply, like what is Web3 and really sort of break it down in that capacity. So, How do we need to think differently? Like if you identified this is between Web2 and Web3, how do we need to pivot or change or adapt? I guess sort of back to that point, being a student, learning and growing with one another together, I think that's really important. Mm. So... What you've done in Web 2, that's great. And, you know, kudos to you. But Web 3, it's completely different. They just need to come in and they just need to be like, all right, cool, have that humility, work with one another, come to IRL events, host hackathons, webinars, jump on Twitter spaces, have healthy discussions and learn from other people, mm-hmm. right? Let's come into Twitter spaces, hold it and go, cool, we want to talk about this topic. Now it's starting to spill onto LinkedIn, this conversation, which I think is really, really cool. I think LinkedIn's still really negative. Everyone's fighting over who knows what about what, and I think that's really toxic. I think it's more the conversation of going, all right, let's all just start learning and growing together, keep the conversation healthy, and don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't come in thinking you know it all. Again, having that humility 
Swallow your pride, swallow your ego. These things will give you a cap on your learning capabilities. There's a ceiling there. Every time you get to a certain stage in life, there's a ceiling. So you need to push past that ceiling. You need to be uncomfortable and start getting outside that comfort zone because that's where the real growth is. So yeah. I think all of us just really need to slow it down, be positive, <laughs> uplifting with one another. But you've got to have fun at the end of the day. Yeah. If you're not having fun in here, then I don't know why you're here. <laughs> and you that's why you're a unicorn. hey so you mentioned crash courses in two weeks and the fact that we actually need to learn properly i know there's charlatans in every industry what are a couple of red flags for you for those of us who are entering and going oh my god that looks like a good course that looks like a good way to learn what should we be wary of well i guess who's leading the course i spoke to a guy the other day and he's like i've got some advisors on my project and i was like okay cool he goes yeah one's a scaffolder and one's a mechanic and i said okay let me ask you a question if you were going to build a bakery, would you take advice from a mechanic or a scaffolder? And he said, no. And I was like, well, there's your answer. Look at people who are working full-time in Web3. Look at their history. Look at their wallets. <laughs> look who's been successful. Uh, look who's gotten in early. Look who understands the trends. Learn from someone who's got a big brand in the space, who understands it, who's passionate about it, who got in early. These are the people you want to learn from, not someone who came in two weeks ago and go, yeah, it's really cool and exciting because, again, they haven't lived through it. They don't know what it's like. They haven't been through everything from the day dot and been along the history journey. Every moment that's happening in the space, it's just like we're writing our own history books, and I think that's really, really exciting. I think everyone who comes in, there's a lot of great courses out there. It depends what you want to do, but there's also a lot of misinformation out there too. And, again, it just keeps coming and circling back to what I keep saying. The biggest problem in Web3 is education. We all get onboarded differently, and we also – learn differently too there's really no sort of like right messaging but there's a lot of wrong messaging too so you need to figure that out and go okay cool who's someone that i look up to in the space who's got the proven track record who's passionate who's keen to help me learn and start getting onboarded by the right people yeah i think that's really really important and you know what don't rush into it like i said slow this whole process down come into there jump on twitter Start following people and finding out, cool, who do they follow? Who are these threads that I should be reading? And you'll map it out sooner rather than later. So I think that's really, really important. Don't rush into it. There's a lot of really cool and interesting people in the space that you can learn from. If you're going to build a bakery, don't take advice from someone who's not a baker. Love it. Okay, so now it's time for two special segments. Myth Busting. What is one of the biggest myths around either crypto, Web3 or NFTs and how can you totally bust it right now as not being true? Mm, that's a really good question. The biggest myth at the moment is that everyone thinks their projects are going to survive. They're not. I guess it's just the honest truth. I think the next bull run is going to look completely different to what it is now. And I just really think that real world application is going to dominate over these NFT projects. And I guess that's sort of how I look at it. Everyone's very delusional. And I hope that they wake up and become more self-aware and realizing that these projects that they're minting are, are just a stepping stone in their journey and their career. And they shouldn't be penalized for not making it. At the end of the day, they've come in and they've learned. As long as they do it with honesty, transparency, integrity, and they don't run off with people's money and do right by the community, I think that's really, really important. Yeah, wow. Okay, well, as we recover from that bold truth... Stay safe from scams. What is the best piece of advice you can share to help people stay safe in the world of NFTs, Web3, crypto? YouTube is a library. TikTok is a library. 
So go on there. A lot of people are going to disagree with this, but look, we all learn in different ways. At the moment, everyone's loving video form content. It's just the economy that we live in. Go on there and search, you know, scams to look out for a crypto, rug pulls to look out for. If you're going to do a transaction, there's a lot of really good content out there that will give you the basic parameters. And don't be afraid to ask for help. So come into the space, speak to people. Hey, I'm going to do this transaction. Am I doing it right? Mm. This guy sent me this link. So watch out for people who send you links, people who are impersonating people. I've been impersonated. I still get impersonated all the time. Yeah, your fake account sent me a message. I got so excited. (laughs) (laughs) That's just to a lot of people. The name is jamesrowdy.eth. The .eth stands for Ethereum. That's my ENS domain. If you look at the name, sometimes it's like James. Audi, O-W-D-Y. He's a cool guy, that one, by the way, yeah. just letting you know. <laughs> the spelling is what catches people out because everyone's just so go, 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 go. They go, oh, yeah, that's him, and they don't actually look at the spelling. Little things like that catch people out. Again, the links, the scams, just be really diligent and question everything. If you're not sure, ask someone. I loved your approach to the scammer. You were like, if you scam me, I will call you, I will send a thousand messages and I will track you down. Is that kind of your mode of operatus? <laughs> a couple of months ago when it first happened and I had hundreds of messages, people going, is this you? And I was like, oh, I've got a friend. He's really good with computers. We basically managed to get this guy's phone number and track him down and we reported him to the cyber police. But I uh, got his number and I voice called him and there's a website where you can text bomb and <laughs> call bomb people so i sent him ten thousand calls or something like that and, oh and that guy's phone would be fried you know it'd just be going you could imagine how crazy it'd be going so do not mess with the unicorn people do not mess not. with the unicorn now before i thank you for your epic analogy on star wars for a five-year-old and for this beautiful chat is there anything you want to share about nft melb yeah, uh, NFT Melbourne, we've been doing this for 11 months now. Started with eight people in a coffee shop talking about NFTs and it's since grown across Australia and New Zealand. We've got NFT Sydney now, NFT Gold Coast, which is launching at the end of this month. Oh, and nice. New Zealand. So for us, we're trying to really curate the Web3 culture here. NFTs are fun because it connects people who are into fashion, arts, music, and that's where real culture is. So we really try and capitalize on that and really curate that culture and we provide value consistently to the community we have really cool speakers on we do different types of events so if you're new to the space and just want to come and meet some really cool people and hang out and have a good time and learn more about it i suggest definitely coming to any of those events the people behind it always welcoming really happy to have you there whether you don't know anything and you're curious we've had people who have come in who are green and then now they're working full-time in Web3. It's really, really cool to see. So we are going to be continuing to grow that. We're looking at hosting these events at every city across Australia. That will sort of play out next year. And then next year we're expanding through to Asia as well. So, Oh, my gosh. Wow. This is your second applause in uh, one chat. Yes, I'm doing that. And then also we've been building another company for a couple of months now in the background, and that's called Chainable. And what that is, it's a development studio. So we will be developing all things blockchain. So we'll be building out DAP, which are decentralized applications. We'll be building out marketplaces, helping out with exchanges, everything blockchain related. Wow, that's amazing. We're working on some really cool and exciting brands and we will continue to grow that. So I guess that was probably where some of our focus will shift, but we will still be true to the core and still be 
running these events and NFT Melbourne, Sydney, Gold Coast and New Zealand will all become under a new banner, which is called NFT Ape. We're really excited. We will continue to connect, create and collaborate with everyone and anyone in Web3. So we welcome you all to our community. We want to have you there. We all want to learn and grow together and have fun while we're doing it. That's what we're all about. Amazing. Well, keep spreading the love, Unicorn, because you do it in such a very, very unique and truly essential way. You're an absolute legend. Awesome. I appreciate you and love having you and your energy in the space. Oh, thanks. Wow. I love all of my guests, but I have to say that analogy with Star Wars was completely epic. To connect with Rowdy and to find out more about him, I have included all of the links to his social accounts in the show notes below. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave a rating and a review. As a brand new podcast, it would mean the absolute metaverse to me. That would be wonderful. To see video content and other fun snippets from our interview, please come and say hi to me across my social media accounts, all of which are listed below in the show notes. And thank you again so much for your time. I'll see you next episode.